Devin, do you know what I learned recently? I learned recently that Will Smith and Jada Plinkett Smith have a compound in their, their huge ass mansion type estate home where they have all of their like sex partners, sex partners that they bring over into their big compound and then have them stay there for like months at a time. And then they have them sign NDAs so they can't like talk about it. And then all of like the people who work there like also have to like sign NDAs so they can't talk about like what weird shit like happens in the in the horny will smith and jada plinkett smith compound which doesn't have anything to do with today's star wars episode and and in fact probably is only serving to alienate everyone who's listening right now but of course that is uh, as we all know a the point of the cold open is to alienate everyone and also b uh fuck you you talk about alex jones and 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 ben shapiro and weird fucking right-wing people all the time um I'm cold opening on some celebrities who do some, like, the kind of weird sex shit, which would be really great if I did it, but since they're rich, it's weird. I bet Will Smith does a courting ritual where he is buck naked, but dancing, dancing to the men in dancing. black theme <laughs> that he made. <laughs> Can't see any reason why that wouldn't be the case. Sure. The other day, I was I was humming along to either the Wild Wild West theme or the Men in Black theme, but it was about me smoking crack. <laughs> that was just a song I made the other day. Devin, have you smoked crack? Don't answer that question on air. Um, <laughs> have you, Devin, what? I'm smart enough to not incriminate myself. <laughs> I only smoke a non-illegal spice. Because uh, Boba Fett's a fucking narc. That ties into Star Wars. There we go. I did it. Oh, hey, yeah, good job. Wow, I totally forgot what we were doing and wasn't bothering to tie it in at all. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name Welcome. is... <laughs> Every fucking intro is like this, or at least it is on all the good episodes. If there's ever a podcast intro to this podcast where we don't say the worst, most horrible shit in the world, that's how you know it's going to be a boring episode. My name is Amber Autumn, she, her... And I'm Prince Devon from a backward planet you haven't heard of, but I'm the best six shot on this side of the quadrant, and I'm here to collect that bounty for your stolen kyber crystals, ma'am. And collectively, this is Original Podcast Do Not Steal, a weekly podcast in which every week, Devon and I take some sort of a franchise or intellectual property, hope, dream, idea, and then we make an original character in that franchise, intellectual property, hope, dream, idea, only this month. We are doing Star Wars all month because of who we are as people, and to Today, we are going to be making a bounty hunter in Star Wars, which we had to do. You knew it was coming from the second we said Star Wars month. But first, we have to talk about uh, building our, our parasocial brand by answering questions about ourselves um, in order to make you want to give us money on our Patreon that we definitely do have. Don't look it up. So today, I'm going to ask you, Devin... What was the most embarrassing thing you listened to in high school? Oh, ooh, oh boy, the most embarrassing thing I listened to in high school. Ah, <sighs> uh, there's any. Oh, okay, okay. Musically, to be clear, musically. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 okay, okay. This might 
predated high school. I think it was middle school. But I had a juke by Samsung, and I gave my computer aids because I had LimeWire. But I had Kid Rock in that motherfucker. And I remember that specifically because I was playing my music in the campfire, and some people were dogging me. But then one guy was like, nah, man, Devin's got a cool... This playlist is real as fuck. And I remember that was preceded by blah, 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 kid fucking rock, hell yeah. And then he high-fived me. <laughs> and nice. So probably Kid Rock. I, <laughs> I had Kid Rock in my phone at one point. Oh, what about you, Amber? I was really hoping I was going to be able to make fun of you for that, but I don't even really know who Kid Rock is. It's it's it's, it's bad. He, what, you, okay, hold, oh, oh, we're here. I'm I'm assuming I'm too white for that. Like I don't know what's. I have no idea. <laughs> Kid, Kid Rock's the whitest thing in the world. <laughs> but I did a whole. There's a whole series I did of song lyrics that probably should have landed you in jail. Ted Nugent has like five installments, but Kid Rock has a lyric. It is the following quote. They say it's statutory, I say it's mandatory. And then the dude in the background goes, yeah! I'm sorry, I... <laughs> it's, it's really bad, I'm not laughing, I... The, just the way that you were like, and then the dude in the back goes, yeah! <laughs> yeah, right? It's the, like, it's the most what-the-fuckness. Oh, Kid Rock's trash is fucking awful. New Metal bullsh- New Metal was a mistake. <laughs> We should burn it all down. The 90s were awful. You can't get out of this, Amber. What What were you listening to? I really, I, when I was originally thinking of this idea, I was going to phrase it differently so that I could have been like, I could have been like something like, who were you listening to in high school who you're no longer listening to? Now? Like some things that I could like not have to give, but then I forgot and I phrased it as what's the most embarrassing thing. So if I have to do it too, it is Nickelback. <laughs> oh, you love Nickelback. <laughs> It's tough because it's such, like, a poster child for, like, music that you are supposed to be embarrassed for listening to that I feel like I, like, bring it up sometimes to people because it's such, like, a if you want to judge me, here's a thing to judge me for moment. And so now I feel like, like, at some point, are people going to feel like I'm, like, bragging about it? I'm not. I genuinely just kind of got, I backed myself into a corner on this one purely on accident. But that is, yeah, no, that is the answer. I did, and I still do listen to them, and I will not apologize. Just fucking bro rock and new metal and us being fucking lame. What a time. Ugh, <laughs> oh, truly. It was it was a different time. It was it was twenty fourteen. We didn't know what we were doing, please God. <laughs> that was a um. long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Much like nice. today. Star Wars, baby. Nice. Well done. Nice. So, Bounty Hunting, this is my pick. This is my episode. I, I reread Tales from the Bounty Hunters. Again, old EU. I'm probably going to complain about old EU versus new EU and talk for a while. But, uh, Amber, would you like to talk for a bit? Who's your favorite bounty hunter? I'm guessing Kartho Nasi from KOTOR. I feel like that's the only one you'd have, like, a particular emotional attachment to. Damn it, I meant, I meant Ordu. I keep saying Kartho Nasi every time. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, 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 I knew who you meant. Yeah, do I have particular emotional attachments beyond, like, their general vibe and what they look like? And the answer is, is basically no, right? Like, most of what I know, like, I'm aware of who Bosk and IG-88 and Forlom are, um, but, like, I don't, I don't know all of their backstories in quite the same way that you do. 
Do they show up with Dr. Aphra? I, I've read some Dr. Aphra. So, like, my, my, my opinion on who would be the best bounty hunter is going to be largely based on just, like, vibe. Um, who looks the coolest? And to that, I would say Bosk. Bosk looks the coolest. He does, and it's unfortunate that his short story in Tale of the Bounty Hunters is the most boring. It's fucking, it's not a good read. Not, not, not great fiction. Oh, really? Bummer. There's a fan film, and it's just the first Predator movie, but you make Bosk the Predator, and that's a genius take, and it's a pretty good fan film. That is a genius take. I love that. Yeah, shout out to them. So I guess I now riff for a bit about Bounty Hunters, because I do have... Yeah, do it. You have things to say. Go for it. Yeah, I, I reread Tales from the Bounty Hunters. It's not the best thing in the world, but I want to talk about old EU and new EU for a second. And the reason I prefer okay. the old stuff has less to do with quality, because a lot of that shit was hot garbage, bad fiction, right? Okay. But I felt It was. Like, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> that shit fucking sucked. <laughs> but shit like the Yuzhong Vong showed up, and I, I still love all that stuff. And there were lightsaber whips and Jason Solo got trained by an anthropomorphic bunny with big, dumb, floppy ears. And quality aside, I felt like we were expanding a universe. And with sure, new yeah. EU stuff, speaking generally, because I haven't kept up with a lot of it, but Rogue One came out. And most mm-hmm. of what that movie exists to do is fill in, air quotes, a plot hole. And if your expanded universe exists to fix movies that already work, it's kind of useless, right? Yeah, no, that like that's like the fucking Rogue One thing. Jesus Christ. It's bad. I don't like it. I'm, I I it's bad. That is all to say that all of the vast majority of my old EU knowledge comes from the legend stuff. That's what I that's the bo- box I want to work in because that's what I know that I'm familiar with. And rereading Tales from the Bounty Hunters, I was like, I want to find out like what makes a bounty hunter, like what's the connective tissue between these guys and the reasons each of the principal characters becomes bounty hunters are so not the same. Dengar is forced into it by a experimentation. Bosk, it's because of his religion. Boba Fett, it's because he's a fucking narc. I really want to talk about Boba Fett. We'll get to it in a second. But the, the okay. thing I found that did connect them outside of motivation for wanting to become bounty hunters is bounty hunters tend to be paranoid lonely people it is a lonely job it is not a job that gets you a lot of friends you're a man trying your best to make his way through the galaxy and it's a lonely life and there are enemies everywhere around you so it breeds you know kind of paranoid people but to talk about characterization for a second because i found more than i ever thought i would particularly with dengar i have walked away because Dengar's the one with the bandages around his head. And I remember reading cracked articles where it's like, Dengar's the worst bounty hunter. He's got toilet paper on his head and he's fat. Sure, because, yeah, that was kind of, that was just like sort of how cracked was operating at the time. Yeah, and if you just look at Dengar, that is an accurate assessment. He does have toilet paper on his head and he's the schlubby one. But Dengar, as I must say whenever I say his name, because the first time I heard it said out loud was on Clone Wars, when Dengar goes, Oi, boss, who's your new girlfriend? And boss goes, shut up, Dengar! And that was the first time I heard it said and not read, so it could, like, click in my brain. Dengar! It's very Skeletor. Very Skeletor of him. (laughs) But Dengar... Yeah, Dengar! Yeah! There's, like, a, a rich emotional arc to this man who 
the reason he hates Han Solo is because Han Solo was being a schlubby little shit when he was a kid, and he nearly killed Dengar in a swoop racing incident. And Dengar, the surgery that saved his life was performed by the Empire, but they wanted an assassin out of him. So when they were putting him back together, they took out multiple parts of his brain. They roasted all of the emotional bits that weren't anger, hope, and loneliness. And this is a sci-fi Jesus. thing. One of the neat things is like, he can't feel fear. But his body reacts to it. So they'll talk about, like, they'll juxtapose him being in a scary situation. His brain is totally calm, but he'll describe, like, the sweat that's forming on his brow and that sensation of time distillation that happens when adrenaline's coursing through your body because he can't feel it, but it's still happening. That's really Uh, interesting. Yeah, and he's just a a lonely, broken man with only the capacity to only feel three emotions. And one of the things he has to do when he kills anyone was he has to make them look like Han Solo in his head because he hates Han Solo. And the reason Hmm. he has such a fixation with Han, it isn't just you fucked me over, but it's that, that hate, one of the three things I get to feel, it's the strongest when I think about you. So Han Solo's the dragon. I have to chase you because you give my life purpose. You let me feel something more than anything else does. And it's... Him slowly reconnecting with his own humanity because he finds he saves this girl whose name is like Maroon or something, and their race are techno advanced where they do remember the thing in Avatar where the Navi can like plug their headphone hair cord jack into trees and shit. Yeah, they can do that, but it's to share emotions with each other because they're a nonviolent race, and so relationships and marriage with that race and culture is to become one with someone to share your everything your thoughts your feelings your emotions and yeah. they form a, they form a relationship over time and through this one person thinking he's a human because he has this great line where she goes are you a good man and he undoes the bandages and there's like a bunch of robot pieces and he goes how can i say i'm a good man when i don't even know if i am a man anymore because she believes in him and she like earnestly loves him and can share in this way with him. He's allowed to feel emotions again. And there's this great line. I don't have it saved. I should have. But it's the first time he feels empathy again. And it's like he realized in this moment that this what it was, this is what it meant to be human. To know somewhere out there in the galaxy, someone is hurting and to be moved to want to help them. And it's it's great. The Dengar story is awesome. Read it. Boba Fett becomes his best man. And it's kind of funny. That fucking rules. I definitely, like, I recognize the Dengar name from the source books for the Star Wars role-playing game that we played. I figured that's what most of what you would have to talk about this episode would be. Yeah! (laughs) To talk about Bosk for a second, there's things I learned about Trandosians, like the Great Hunt and their whole religious sect, right? Like, they're they're hunting because it's their religion, right? Their god is the scorekeeper. To win favor with the scorekeeper, you win pelts. But the thing that really got me is when talking about Bosk's paranoia, it's his ship is designed to make anyone who is not Bosk uncomfortable and always at ease, right? Uncomfortable, not at ease. Right. And he talks about how he paid extra so that the ship could run without him having to do a lot. And he says it's because technology isn't designed for Trandosian hands. And then when the next line is talking about this, how his flight suit doesn't fit, I went, oh, he's an alien. Like, truly alien. This world is not made for him. His flight suit doesn't fit. He doesn't belong. He's out of place. I thought that was the most interesting part. Other than that, it's just Bosk being like, yes, I want Wookiee pelts. And now I'm going to talk about Boba Fett 
because all you motherfucks, okay? Everyone's everyone waiting on, for it. <laughs> every motherfucker in the world who was upset that the, the book of Boba Fett was hokey and it was silly and Boba Fett wasn't an alpha Chad libertarian. Fuck all of you, okay? Most Boba Fett books sucked. They were bad. I can sit here and talk about my favorite take on Boba Fett. It's all Karen Travis. It's all a man who is desperate for a family unit, but because he lost his so young and he never had a meaningful one, he doesn't know how to make that work. So every time he tries, he fails. He gets married and he leaves. I love that version of the character. Most of the time, Boba Fett shows up and he's a boring badass. And even in this, Tales from the Bounty Hunters, there's this bit in Dengar where he's sitting down with Boba Fett and Boba Fett orders a drink. And Dengar's like, oh, he's going to take off the mask. I'm going to see his face. And they describe how Boba Fett takes out a straw puts the straw in the liquor, and then sips through the straw so he doesn't have to take his helmet off. Boba Fett's always been a silly motherfucker. And also, he's a narc! He's such a fucking narc, dude! So, the first assignment he has in that book is he's taking out a kid who's selling spice, and he's like, do you ever feel bad for selling spice? And the kid's like, no, spice isn't illegal. I don't feel bad. And I swear to God, Boba Fett's like, but it often makes people take drugs that are illegal. <laughs> this is a gateway drug. <laughs> and then there's another bit where Boba's chilling in Jabba's palace. And they're like, mm-hmm, compliments mm-hmm. of Jabba the Hutt. And they throw Leia in there. And you're like, oh, this is bad. And Boba Fett's like, don't worry. I'm not going to do anything to you. Sex between two unmarried people is immoral. <laughs> you fucking nerd. He doesn't. He does. He says that. He says sex between two unmarried people is immoral. No fucking way. When was that written? I don't fucking remember, but yeah, Boba Fett, you're fucking, you're, you're big Alpha Chad hero, man. He's a celibate nerd. He was a narc. <laughs> he was a big fucking narc, and he loved the Empire, and he was mad at the Rebellion because they were breaking the law. Iconic. So, like, I, I assume this is, like, sort of, this, this is, this is, this is pre-reboot, right? This is, like, legend stuff? Yeah, this is old stuff. Post-reboot is you know the the book of boba fett where he's again where he's more like in in book of boba fett his character arc is learning patience and that the life he was living led him to being inside a sarlacc pit and then kind of being slaved to sand people for a little bit before they accepted him as one of them he's he's a chill guy he's a he's a night boss we don't have to super get into book of boba fett Unless you want to get I just, book of Boba Fett. I mean, I just, I just want to be, to be, to be clear that that's a, a, a different version, a different interpretation of Boba Fett that you're talking about there. Yeah, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think current Boba Fett would be like sex between two unmarried people is immoral. <laughs> you fucking nerd. So, so then thinking about bounty hunters, it seems like the first question that we want to ask is like, how do they get into that life, right? I think that is I. I have a take because I did workshop this episode in my head. If you would like it, or we can tr- organically do the thing, it's up to you. I I would love to hear your take, actually. Okay, so my idea for a bounty hunter that I came up with because I I was thinking about Star Wars, like how do you do stranger in a strange land? How do you do someone who's truly alien, right? And yeah. Like even Bosk, he's a Trandoshan, but there's other Trandoshans fucking around. How is someone like alone in the galaxy? And then it hit me: what if it's a Yuzhong Vong? Okay, yeah, that's cute. So, so Yuzhan Vong canon again, cool. So this is, is this during Yuzhan Vong invasion? Is this, is this post Yuzhan Vong invasion? Is this 
pre? What are you thinking here? My thought was a Vong just is in one day is in our galaxy and I can I can sci-fi the reason he's in if we get into it or if we don't but sure. a Vong who exists like we like really fan fiction shit a Vong who like when they're doing the no disintegrations you turn the corner there's a fucking Vong there right because Vong exists in another galaxy if he's here he's alone and there's no one for this guy and then he'd live long enough to get to see the Vong invade and there'd be like this cultural crisis where he finally has his people, but he's nothing like them because he didn't have the cultural baggage that makes a Vong a Vong and that would be fun to play with. Yeah. Okay. 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 So I didn't actually read the Vong books. It's embarrassing confession time. I like, I'm, I like, I'm obviously very aware of them, but uh, I, I didn't read them. And so I think a lot of this is going to be pretty Devon directed, which is fine. It's your it's your episode. We can totally do that. But you, so we have this Vong who has ended up in this galaxy. Sounds to be like an it's an outcast situation. Like this is a character who is no longer accepted by the other Vongs. And so my first question then is like, what is what would cause a Vong to be expelled by the other Vongs? Okay, this is a super easy question. So before we get into that, I want to ask. How much just about Vongs in general would you like to know? Or how much would you just like me to answer that question easy? You know what? For the listeners at home, actually, because I know some amount, but it, that one's niche enough that I think, I think, yeah, establish that. Talk to people about that one. Okay, so hello, listeners. Talking to you specifically. The Yuzhong Vong were an enemy race in Star Wars that happened in the Jedi Academy books, and they're pretty neat. They exist from another galaxy, and they exist outside of the Force, and... I thought in my dumb baby brain that that's because they're just so far away the Force wasn't there, but that's stupid. You can do things that the Force finds so heinous that you are then rejected from it. The reason the Vong aren't in the Force is because they killed everything in their galaxy. Important note for the Vong is when they get here, they hate a lot of it because the Vong are violently technophobic. They hate technology or really machinery because there's an argument to be had that what the Vong have is technology, it's just bio-orc technology. But they hate machinery because in their galaxy, two warring races of robots started a galaxy-wide war. The Vong eventually won, but that war cost everything. So they get here, and there's a bunch of robots and other things. And the Vong are a warrior race, right? They, there's a whole religion. There's, a whole, there's whole pantheons of Vongs, all who have weird-ass names that I don't remember. But they live in a zealot caste society so there's the priest class there's the warrior class there's the maker caste there's the slave caste and part of the ethos of their religion is when you say they're warriors you kind of think a klingon right it's an honor-based thing and it's not it's not so much an honor-based thing it is a vong believe in pain and they don't believe in pain it is not that you do things to feel pain is that pain is an indistinguishable factor of life if you live you will experience pain so they love pain that's true they will, when when you become a warrior cast you have uh, a bit of surgery is the word it's called but you do a surgery to get rid of one of your organs and replace it with something different and that's kind of their technology that's why they have these weird bio suits and that kind of hurts because it's an organ that shouldn't be in your body and you live with that forever because that's life and part of the other reason they hate robots isn't just because like race memory it's also because their ethos is about death, the cycle, right? Jedi are all about life and death. There's an endless cycle. You shouldn't break away from it. That's why Darth Nihilus and Darth Simeon are the 
opposite ends of the spectrum on the Force because they found ways to live forever. Vong also appreciate life, but life as they understand it is a series of predator-prey relationships. You live, you die. When you die by the hand of someone stronger than you, you get to become fuel for that thing and life continues in perpetuity forever. Robots, droids, do not die. And if they do die, they do not die in a way that gives sustenance to you, the living. Ergo, they are a violent abomination. So this xenophobic cult warrior, death cult warrior race show up to our galaxy one day, see a bunch of technology and new people to fight, and they go buck fucking wild. And it's a pretty big war that we lose for like seven books because just they don't exist in the forest the jedi can't do anything they're new they're scary we don't know what's going on we don't know how to fight they're weird techno-organic ships they're homing missiles air quotes are called like scab beetles or something but they're they're living things all of their technology is a thing that is alive so their homing missile things can track you if you dodge it it'll just swoop around and come again and they freak ass weird aliens and now we have to deal with them because they're in our part of space Oh yeah, what what makes someone not a Vong? So it's like the Spartan thing from 300, where if this baby is de deformed, you can get sent to the slave caste system. Also, and this is important, because you do the thing, you do the world building thing where you say your race is like X, and then you meet ones who are not like X. So during right. the Yuzhong Vong invasion, there were Vong defectors. There were Vongs who were sympathetic to the Republic, but also there were generals who weren't down with the death cult thing and were thinking tactically and like, hey, if we retreat, we can win. Or there were people who would question the Vong religion. Those people were executed, though, and that's part of why the Vong eventually lost the war. Okay, so that seems like pretty straightforward to me, then. You have somebody who, um, for one reason or another, isn't into the war, right? Yeah, my idea, and we can shoot this one down, but my idea was because part of what their big ships, their flagships do, they displace gravity, and gravity, okay. if it's strong enough, can displace time. So you do some bibbledy-babbledy time travel habadah sci-fi words, and okay. it's just he showed up on Coruscant one day. Like, this baby Vong showed up on Coruscant one day. How do you get through the galaxy? Bounty hunting. And we can get yeah. your idea, but that was that was my justification of how you get a Vong here before the Vong invasion, because I think that's a pivotal moment. No, I like that. I'm into that. I'm into that reason why they're there. The the one thing that I maybe wanna I maybe wanna poke and adjust us on is that to me, how do you get through the day bounty hunting just doesn't feel like as like active and and a, a motivation as we can give this character. It feels like maybe we can give them more of a reason to do it. I think what we have so far here is this character um, who comes from a culture where death and pain and suffering are, are, are these like super idealized virtues almost. And this character has, has left that behind intentionally as some way of like trying to run away from that. And then like they find themselves in a position where the best way that they can make it through the world is by doing bounty hunting by visiting death and violence upon other people i've i think i've talked myself into a circle by the end here i'm like no it absolutely should be that this character is just doing it as a paycheck because they don't know what else to do because they don't have a lot of other skills based on where they came from and so obviously this would be a character who would have a lot of internal conflict about that 
maybe don't necessarily feel good about what they're doing bounty hunting wise that this hues really closely to the thing that they tried to run away from and then they found that their their upbringing followed them to where they went Ooh, i like that kind of a sins of the father except father is culture yeah 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 yeah, I like that. I like I like a bounty hunter who doesn't feel good about what he does, because most of the time bounty hunters are just like, eh, it's eleven, mac mac. But this one, yeah, like like what else can they do? Because yeah, he has a freak ass skull demon thing. <laughs> Not necessarily getting a nine to five when you look and like, like that. No offense. Oops. Like, people in the Star Wars universe are not going to react that weirdly to a freak-ass gold thing. They live in the Star Wars universe. They see weird shit all the time. I think they would, because part of the Vong is they're, they're alien. They literally, from a different gal- Like, they, they come to the Outer Rim, and the Outer Rim is like, Yo, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this? Well, maybe that's part of it too, then, is that, like, being a Vong in the galaxy, they have a hard time finding ways to find gainful employment, right? Because- People are racist towards them. Space racism. Space racism, that's right. I think you do a thing where this Vong... I got caught up on the word, sorry. But yeah, this Vong is down with the technology, right? This Vong has a... Not a Mandalorian helmet, but some type of space helmet. A, because freak-ass demon face but also right. B because he sees the things that are beneficial to this type of technology and he's cut off from all the techno-organic stuff so it's adapt or die and he doesn't want to die so then when the yuzhong vong invasion happens and he sees his people again he's doubled the outcast but presumably possibly maybe by then he's made some friends in this galaxy and he's learned to fight on this side yeah that all feels right to me love it how do naming conventions work Vong naming conventions were all letters next to each other that didn't click in my brain ever, so I was just kind of like, ah, wait for the audiobook, and then I and then I read the book, so I didn't get the audiobook versions. So okay, hold just, on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna Google some use on Vong yeah. names. <laughs> Google some Vong names. Oh, it's just it's Star Wars names. You just make some sounds, <laughs> some mouth noises. Mejon Quad, Jakan, Ilan, Nas Choka. I think what Sock you do is... Sok Like, what, like... I think, for this Vong, you give him a really basic, like a like a Jarek or a Han, or a Luke, because he's not a Vong, he's not a member of the Yuzhong Vong anymore, he exists in our galaxy, and your fucking weird name... Like, you could make it, like, an immigrant thing, where you gotta change your name, because it's hard for the white folk to pronounce, but I think it... It fits the stranger in a strange land motif if you do see this freak-ass skull-faced demon and his name is just, like, Derek. Yeah. I was like, let's name him Mads, but now I'm like, no, it's gotta be more normal. Mads is too, is, is, is too thematically resonant. It's gotta be more boring than that. Be more? Make it a Planescape Torment reference? What if it's Trent? <laughs> yeah, just Trent. <laughs> Trent. Oh, one day we're going to do a Planescape Torment episode, and... I don't oh, even know what it is, so... So much me talking, that episode will be... What a wonderfully painful game, because deep regret is a fixture of that game's design that I don't think most games really allow. They really want you to sit in the feeling of bad. Oh, that rules. Oh, it's put together so well. That's great. Love that for her. 
So Trent, what's he look like? Because he's a bounty hunter. They have a look, the Mandalorian power armor. What's uh? What, let's give him some fun flourishes with his armor, because I don't think he'd have the Yuzhong yeah. Vong armor. Yeah, certainly not. Like, Yuzhan Vong have the weird fucked up skull faces. And also Vong have, like, a lot of facial tattoos, right? Yeah, big face and, tats. And and he probably would still have those. And and also, that's probably, like, a thing you do have some character moments with, is that um uh, he probably doesn't, like, feel an attachment to the facial tattoos that he has, but they're now, like, a part of his face. So there's, like, bounty hunters that are Western riffs. You know, Cad Bane, he showed up in Book of Boba Fett and is pretty cool. There's a classic Boba Fett-style-looking bounty hunter with the armor. Bosk, just kind of, you know, the flight suit. Zorlam and Zoltzis. They kind of wear the robe thing. So what if you have him wearing, like, like heavy combat armor that's not Vong armor, but... The way that he wears it and decorates it makes it kind of look like Vong armor because it's how he, like, learned to apply armor. Yeah, so he gets, um, not Stormtrooper, but Stormtrooper armor, and then he sort of fits it with the spikes that you associate with the Vong armor because that's, in his brain, how armor should look, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Legally distinct, not Mandalorian battle armor, but kind of sort of Mandalorian battle armor with spikes totally. and shit. Totally. No, exactly. That's, that's, that's exactly what I'm imagining, yeah. What else? What else? I mean, I feel like we, like, we could talk about vibe, but I actually sort of feel like I have a sense of what, of what his vibe is. I, I, I feel like I can tell about the vibe. I would ask if you're feeling it more than I am, because I, I like like overall internal conflict and sort of arc and stuff. But like a a day to day conversation with this guy, kind of what what's that feel like to you? When you're just talking to Trent, what's it like? When you're going through his dialogue option in Kotor, how do you make that relationship better? I imagine sort of like a a grim dark figure. I like the framing of if you're going through a dialogue option with Trent. I think the way that you make that better, Trent will answer any question that you ask him about himself very directly. I think he is in some way very eager to share about himself, um, but he will never offer up any information about him by himself. And so I think your experience with Trent is going to be one of like very reserved stoicism whenever you're not like actively talking to him. But if you start talking to him and if you ask him any questions, he becomes like almost too excited and and uh, too like talkative and and excitable. Ooh, that that was really that that really nailed vibe for me because I was I was a yeah. little I was a little lost in the forest and that really brings I I like that I like that, that flourish to Trent. Does that make sense? That does. I feel good about that for Trent. Um. Do we wanna do we want a fun fact a piece about Trent? That definitely feels like that's where we are. I might come up with more than one, but this is the one that shoots off the head. But the Vongs all have the skull nose, right? And my head canon was that was always a self-mutilation they did to themselves because of the religion thing. And if he's someone who left at an earlier age, I would think he's one of the few Vongs who has a nose. I like that. I think Trent is super fucking into fine dining. Like, the Vong live in a world where they've, like, killed off all the other fucking life. I'm not sure if it's established in fiction how exactly the Vong eat, 
But now Trent is like in this galaxy where there are like plants and animals aplenty for the eating. And I think that Trent got there and immediately got so fucking excited about it and got really, really into it. I think Trent can fucking cook and Trent can like talk about food in the way that people who know things about food can talk about food. Um, uh, and that, that, that those dialogues are really fruitful and make Trent like like sort of fangirl about food for a while that's the item because it always has to be an item and you can't get something from a different part of a galaxy but you can get him some food and he gets really excited about it yeah 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 absolutely exactly yeah cool i'm uh i'm gonna throw out another uh, fun fact because i wanted more than one i think Do i it. think fawn is ace i think he's an asexual little lad in this galaxy where he's like nah yeah naturally well yeah we did yeah that's Trent, our our Yuzhan Vong bounty hunter. I love him, actually. I like, I like wasn't sure I was gonna, but I do. Yeah, this is a this is a good one. Me talk lot, but by the end we combined and we have a pretty fun little guy. Absolutely, I love our little guy. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thank you for joining us for week two of original podcast. Do not steal. Um, uh, I have been. Amber Autumn, she, her. And I've been Prince Devon, abandoned king of planet Zartos, and I must reclaim my throne, and that's why I'm done with you dreg Mandalorians. Don't compare me to you. Yeah, what he said. Join us next week when Devon tries to get us to talk about professional wrestling, but instead we continue Star Wars Month by making a Jedi Padawan. Ooh. Uh, our theme song is done by Kyle Alicia. You can find their music at therealragnarok.bandcamp.com. And, uh, Devin, do you have anything else you want to say? No, but we will be played out with the wonderful sounds of jizz. <laughs> I hate you. It's called jizz. He called it jizz. He called it jizz, <laughs> and we respect that from him. Nothing but respect for my jizz. <laughs> respect for my jizz. Oh, Star Wars is great because one old, one crazy old man just ripped off all the shit he loved as a kid and made the most <laughs> single most important franchise of all time. That's right. Uh, okay. Um, bye. Space goodbye. Space goodbye. May the force be with you, etc. Okay, May bye. May the force be with you, everybody. <laughs>